Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the program. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're coming to you live today from Denver, Colorado, and every week right here on this same station and online at drpegradio.com. And to catch up on last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. Uh, In addition, you can also purchase copies of the 10th anniversary of my book, Do Something Different for a Change. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years already, as well as Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss, I heard from my dog. Just go to drpegradio.com and click on Books. Well, you know, everyone wants to be a success, but what are the behaviors and mindsets that you need to achieve the goals that you've set for yourself? You know, I wanted to be an author, and it took me over 10 years to write my first book. Uh, How do we persevere? How do we set goals? How do we successfully reach those goals? Well, on today's episode, we'll examine and explore some of the laws of success to help everyday people like you and me, and to become a success, or as my guest says, heroes in our own lives. Lou Houston believes that success leaves a blueprint, trail, or footprints for others to find and follow so that one day you can come along and become successful too. She's the founder and host of the podcast Heroes of Success, which is an audio blog about biblical and entrepreneurial heroes who started with nothing, conquered failure, and persevered to experience success. So I'm excited about what we're going to discover today. This could be the beginning of your big turnaround or your big breakthrough. So tell a friend to tune in, text them, and tell them that we're on right now. Uh, But first, uh, we're brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training and has the only program of its kind with an accredited CEU. To learn more about SSI Guardian, go to SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. Well, our hero of success on today's show is Lawanda Lou Houston, host of the podcast Heroes of Success. Lou Houston, thanks so much for being with us by phone today. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks a lot, Dr. Tag. It's a pleasure to be here today. Uh, Thank you so much. All the way from Florida, correct? That's right. All right. The, Miami. The Miami, wonderful, the magic of telephone technology, right? Well, you've been a guest on the program before. Um, actually, you and your husband uh, were guests on my program before um, when you still lived in Denver. And uh, you're in Florida now, a married couple. I first had your husband, Ed Houston, on the show uh, when he was promoting his book, Single and Living Free. <laughs> and now he's <laughs> married. <laughs> and uh, you guys are parents as well. So, so much has changed. Um, and I would, I would count that as truly a success. <laughs> I wish you. I wish you. He's awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, life is good for the Houstons now, but um, let's go back a little bit. Um, I learned a little bit about you as I was reading uh, your background on your blog, Heroes of Success. Uh, you have a podcast, okay. and we'll talk about how you came to how you came to develop that podcast as we go along here in the interview. But let's look a little bit at 
uh, your background and um, your childhood, because for me as a psychologist, uh, you know, it's it's a cliche, tell me about your childhood, but we can learn so much about <laughs> our motivations and our habits by looking at at our early uh, our early years. Uh, so you grew up in a in a single parent home, but you you say you had a lot of love, but one thing you did lack was a lot of money. Um, how did that shape your goals and and drive your life? Um, well, it shaped them in a, a really big a really big way. I mean, one, my mom was a single mom, um, and I think like even when I was like nineteen up to that time, I think my mom barely made like twenty eight thousand a year. Mm-hmm. She may have cast off about thirty thousand dollars a year. Well, she was raising like three three girls, you know, who were always growing, always wanting, always needing, and uh, developing all the time. And um, she would work. And in order to make that twenty eight, twenty thirty thousand dollars, she would work two jobs. Um, and she would, and if it was like Christmas time, my mom would try to pick up a third mm. job just so she could get Christmas gifts for us. And you know, there was a time when I wouldn't, I wouldn't celebrate anything because I didn't want my mom to have to work anymore to get, um, for me to get, you know, more stuff. Mm. Like, I would just be like, no, I don't need to celebrate my birthday. Why don't we just have a cake and I'm good? You know, and I would, uh, you know, I would try to do, like, the minimum amount of stuff that I needed to, uh, so that she didn't have to struggle to to do for me. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge part of motivating me to um, want to have money. The other part was, because I didn't have my father and I knew his name, but I didn't know him very much, um, I wanted him to, I wanted to impress him mm-hmm. um, somehow, to impress the mark upon him that, that I wanted to be so successful in a place that he would have to see my name in life and have to recognize who I was. Wow. Um, and so those are two big, huge motivational uh, things for me. And I'm, in a way, I'm extremely ex- grateful for not knowing me in that sense because I seem to be negatively motivated um, in some regards. And then there's another part, um, you know, and so that has a lot of emotion and a lot of drive that that has put in me to succeed throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hear some other things in between the lines that growing up uh, with your mom as a single parent, not knowing your dad, not having a relationship with him, in some ways it caused you to have a lot of compassion. It sounds like for your mom, recognizing at from a young age that she was working hard to make life comfortable right. for you and your sisters. And so that right. sounds like that cultivated in you to some degree a sense of humility and uh, really um, moved you away in some ways from materialism. On the one hand, you wanted to make more money so you didn't have to live that way like your mom did perhaps, but it also helped you just see the value of um, let's just be together, have a cake and celebrate my birthday that way right. about the material things. You're, you're absolutely right because I'm still like that today. Like, um, you know, I... I have a very simple, you know, like um, my wardrobe is very simple. I, I, when I go to the store, I buy like seven of the same pants, <laughs> seven of the same shirts, and I'm like, I'm good. And so these, these seven things wear out. Yeah. I'm good. So it does. It, it still affects me today. It's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so, like you said, it could have affected you, had a, more of a negative impact. But, uh, for example, having your father absent in your life motivated you. Uh, while you wanted to impress him, see your name's name in lights, but that actually had the the um, effect of really giving you a drive for success. Um, as a as yeah. a little girl, I, I read that you um, 
loved reading and learning about new inventions and how things worked. And eventually you were trained as an engineer and a lawyer and uh, even became a patent attorney. So talk about uh, how that played out for you, especially as a girl, that those are not necessarily traditional interests and career paths that, that we think of um, back in your, you know, when, when you were a child uh, those decades ago uh, for girls. So, I mean, one of the great things about my life is that um, childhood is that despite the fact that I didn't have my father in my life, I had, like, these incredible uncles um, who used to beat me up <laughs> and uh, push me. And so I learned karate, and so I jumped over fences. I played with the boys. I fought with the boys. And so being in an environment that was male was very comfortable for me. Um, in addition to that, I was naturally very good at math and science. Um, I, I shouldn't say naturally, because when I was two, in the second grade, I, I was horrible at math. And the only thing that changed was my mom, um, after she got off work, she would spend two or three hours every night drilling me on math questions. And it got to be that I got so good that I was the best in the class. And once I got good at being the best in the class in math and my science class, I never went back. Like, it just motivated me. I liked being the best. Mm -hmm. Like, it was part of it. And so um, I ended up going into programs. And because of that, like, I ended up being pushed and going into programs for uh, engineering. Like, when I was in high school, I went into an engineering program um, and a business program. Uh, and then from there, like, I wanted to, I couldn't figure out, the biggest problem for me was I couldn't figure out how to transition from making, and here's my problem again, like, I was making, you know, if you think, like, a 21-year-old and they're making, like, $45,000 a year, 50000 a year, some people would be like, well, that's really good money for, like, you know, being 21. But for me, like, I would map out my money, like, I was this huge budgeter and huge saver, and I was like, I'm never going to be rich at this point. Like, mm. this is not helpful. Like, how are people living off this amount of money? And I would think to my mom, and I'd say, Mom, how are you doing this? Like, because this is not enough money. And, like, she would be like, girl, you're making a lot of money. <laughs> For one person, money. yeah, one, one, a single-person <laughs> household. Right. She's like, you, you better stop complaining. And I was like, yeah, that's not solving my problem. So... I started looking at different avenues um, uh, where I could begin to make more money and using the skills I already had. Mm -hmm. So that was a big part for me. Like I wanted to be able to use some, some of the skills I already had and how can I apply them to the next level to make um, more money. And then so it was between going to medical school, um, going to law school, and um, if I told you the truth about how I ended up going to law school, you'd be like, that's crazy. <laughs> so I just put them all in a hat or getting my MBA. Those were the three. Those were the three things that were going to lead me to get to six figures because that was my goal mm -hmm. at, the point, at that point was I was like, I need to make the next jump. I need to get to six figures. And how am I going to get there? And then so the plan was to go into one of these professions, and that would lead me to be able to go to six figures. And then from there, I could take my training and skills to open up my own business. So doing the patent law, so I ended up putting everything in a, in a hat, and I don't advise this to anybody. <laughs> um, and, and I prayed because I love God, and I prayed, and I prayed really hard. And I said, Lord, whatever I pull out of this cap, I believe that it's you, and you want me to do this. And I pulled out law, 
And I said, no, Scott, you made a mistake. You didn't do that again. I must have cheated. And so I put it back in the cap, and then I did it for like 13 out of 15 times, and I said, all right, I'll go, wow. I'll go to law school. <laughs> um, and when it was time to go to law school, I just made the goal that I was going to go to law school, and I was going to go for free, and I didn't want to pay a dime. And so um, I researched a bunch of law schools, and then I applied, and I remembered, like, something somebody told me is that when I'm applying to schools, um, I'm applying and I'm talking to lawyers, and I got to plead my case. Mm. And one thing I was really good at is convincing people that I was great at something. And so I convinced them, and they gave me, despite, like, you know, people can say whatever they want, but I must have had a really good case because they gave me uh, essentially a free ride to, to law school, and I didn't go to, you know, went through law school. I went to an excellent law school. Um, and, uh, and it was awesome. So, and then because, and when I went to law school, because I had an engineering background and the field to get into patent law, you need a science or engineering background to do it or math background to do it. Um, I chose patent law for that particular reason, because I knew that the field would be much smaller. The competition would be much smaller for people to enter into it. And I would, I could do well in it. So you, so you, wow. <laughs> so there was some uh, uh, trusting God to put put some careers in a hat, but not trusting Him enough to to just take the first one you picked. But certainly picking multiple times over and over again was a pretty clear sign. So we, it sounds like you got on that career path um, that was eventually able to earn you a, a good income, which was again one of those big driving factors in your life. Uh, but you say that uh, on your blog that you ended up not feeling fulfilled despite making all that money. You started complaining about your job and over time, even the quality of your work began to decline and you just weren't feeling fulfilled, not feeling passionate about making money, not even passionate about being a patent attorney and eventually were left feeling burned out and unfulfilled. Um, talk about how, how that process evolved. Um, so I, I became a patent attorney. I passed the patent bar, which is extremely difficult, uh, which I got to say, for some reason or another, I like very challenging things. Um, and I, I did it and I took it and I was extremely, I was proud of myself for doing that. I took the bar, the state bar, and I passed it. I passed it in the state of Michigan. I passed it in the state of Colorado. Um, and I was, I was, I thought like that was great, and I thought like when I, I think one of the things for me, I thought like when I got to the top of the mountain, so to speak, that when I got there, like I, it was, there was going to be this other, I'm not sure what I thought was going to be there, but uh, I got to the top and I realized that, you know, this six-figure income is great, it's wonderful, but this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought I was going to be more fulfilled in this. And the other part I, I realized and discovered was I'm on the wrong mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I had climbed so hard and I've been working, I've been so diligent and so, so after, you know, trying to make sure that financially I was set, I forgot the, I forgot the part about me that needed to be fulfilled or I didn't know. Um, like I had this thing that I really wanted to do, like I really enjoyed teaching people, I love teaching people about God, and I love teaching people about success. Like, I think, for me, the two have been married for so long that I couldn't really differentiate just teaching people about success and teaching people about God because I've been working teaching people about goal setting, mm-hmm. and I've been working teaching 
um, young adults about how to set goals, how to write plans, how to do resumes, how to fulfill their dreams, and, and motivating people. That for me, the two were so married because I started preaching when I was like 13 years old. Mm. Right, and I was really good at preaching. I was really good at preaching and teaching people. I wasn't. So, I'm not so good at connecting with people all the time on an emotional level, as far as like understanding their point where they are. I can see their point of view to help them get them out, but not so much as sitting in the same seat with them to feel the hurt and the pain that they feel. And for me, um, being at the top of the mountain, doing patent law, doing things that didn't connect me. Uh, to help people, to solve people's problems in a way that directly affected their lives, to bring them to be successful. This wasn't, I knew that this wasn't the right mountain. And I was in church one day, and I had found this new church, and I, I was visiting, and I sat there, and I said, I'm going to be that guy. Mm. And <laughs> he was my pastor. He was uh, the pastor that was up on stage, and I said, I'm going to be that guy. And I was sitting there, and I thought, how long would it take me to be that guy? And I started thinking about what it would take for me to become that guy. And I was like, well, how much does that guy make? And I was like, you know what? You aren't happy right now. So right. it doesn't matter how much that, guy's make, that guy makes. If he makes like $20,000 a year, it's only you. You could figure it out. Mm. And I was like, okay. So that you know was what? a that Let's was a big it. shift was to realize that the one thing that had driven you your whole life making a lot of money wasn't fulfilling. And uh, seeing somebody doing something that really resonated with you caused a shift sounds like that was a major shift um when we come back yeah when we come back from the break we'll hear how that all played out and what you're doing now how you ended up uh founding and uh hosting a podcast called heroes of success listeners i'm speaking with lawanda houston and uh, we're talking about the characteristics the mindsets the behaviors that lead to us being a success and really how do you define success is it making that six-figure income or is it feeling fulfilled does it have to be either or? Can it be both? We'll find out when we return. Stay with us. I'm taking my freedom, pulling it off the shelf, putting it on the Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided effective strategies for experiencing lasting change? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares critical insights to help you understand and overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Pegg clearly communicates fundamental principles and strategies for change and personal transformation. Read Do Something Different for a Change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com slash books to purchase your copy today. 
Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm on the phone live with Lawanda Houston, Lou Houston, and we're talking about principles of success. We're hearing about her background and how money wasn't everything. Um, You sound, Lawanda, like a real driven person. Like you said, you're good at uh, teaching people how to set goals and how to how to make a plan and, and get there, and that you really set your mind to make a lot of money. You were making a lot of money, but it wasn't fulfilling. Uh, listeners, if you want to ask uh, Lou Houston a question and join our conversation about success, give us a call at 303-477-2473. Well, Lou Houston, thanks so much for being my guest on the program. My pleasure. All right. How can listeners get in touch with you? And we're going to be talking about your podcast as well. How can they listen to your podcast? They can go to uh, heroesofsuccess.com, and on there uh, you can listen to all my previous podcasts, and I'm updating all the time and putting new stuff out. So uh, also I'm on Twitter uh, at Heroes of Success, and I'm on Facebook. At a, I have a Lou Houston uh, fan page and also a Heroes of Success uh, page. Excellent. And I'll so. have some links to, um, to reaching you on my website at Dr. Peg Radio. Dot com. Uh, so again, if listeners, if you want to share this interview with someone you know who's looking for success, and really who isn't, <laughs> or if you missed an episode <laughs> of Living Well with Dr. Peg, check out the program archives at, at drpegradio.com. Well, before we went to the break, Lou, we were talking about just being unfulfilled uh, with making a lot of money and, and seeing a pastor uh, on the, on the, um, at the altar preaching and uh, saying, I want to be like him. I want to be him. How do I set that goal? How do I get there? Um, And something that comes to mind as I'm listening to you talk is um, what author Max Lucado calls living in your sweet spot, Uh, being able to do what you love, what you're good at, what can make a difference for other people, and also get paid very well for it. Um, Talk about um, how you resolve this desire to live in your sweet spot, and and were you able to still make the money that you wanted to make doing what you love and making a difference? Well, I'm in the process of that, like, now. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm doing a training by Brandon Bouchard, who is one of the great thought leaders um, in the success industry, uh, in experts industry, and I have been able to do a successful podcast. My podcast is doing, um, you know, just roughly about four, three, four hundred hits a month, and I'm doing four shows a month, just one a week. And so for that, I'm, I'm, I feel really good about that. It can go to the next level, and the next level for me is uh, also to begin to do a course where I'm going to do that. So I think. I know you can do it. It's a matter of me finding the the thing for me. Now I'm in the process of making the product. Uh, for so for over the last year and a half, I've been studying successful people because I wanted to figure out like how people are doing this part where they do what they love. They do what they love to do. They have a passion to do it, and they engage in it. And they also 
um, are able to make the living that they want to do. Uh, the other part of this, I call it, um, I used to call this part uh, the moment of brilliance, where you meet in reality, uh, where, A, I felt like you, there was this thing that spoke out in the universe that God spoke about you, that you, you can call it the universe or whatever, that spoke true about who you are. And there's a, I forgot, there's a guy that, that says, like, who calls this, says, like, it's in your DNA. Mm-hmm. He says it's a part of your genes, your DNA, um, where you are who you are in your DNA. And when you begin to do the very thing that you were born to do, that there comes a time when the two of those meet, when you do it, you, and you become as good as you can, and then the part where you're believing and the thing that's spoken about your life, the two of those meet. And when you meet in there, you just called it the sweet spot, but it's also a moment of absolute brilliance mm-hmm. when people can become and do this very thing that they love to do. I've seen it like you see it in athletes, or maybe you've seen it when athletes are, people say they're in a zone, mm-hmm. they're hot. Um, other people call it, I've heard another guy call it in the flow. flow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where you begin to move and you believe you've got such a level of confidence and such a level of skill that you're doing what you do that it's absolutely a moment of brilliance. And I think, like, people have seen it, like, when Bobby Fischer, like, had learned, like, he was this amazing chess player and he had learned all the rules and all the skills and all the things, and all of a sudden it clicked for him. He had just become in this moment where he was absolutely brilliant, and they called it art mm. all of a sudden. And for me, that probably is more of it. And, yes, I'm absolutely still driven to make money because I now have a different goal. Like the reason I'm doing it mm. is still I'm motivated still by those those two other factors, but I've got one that's pulling me. Instead of the two that's, you know, pushing me forward, I've got one that is pulling mm-hmm. me, a goal, the reason, the motivation that's pulling me forward also. And that for me is the big change. So if I lose those other two, like for whatever reason, if I become, if I make enough money, because that's the other thing, like my motivation has to stay. Either I have to stay at odds with my father all the time, Right. Mm. And stay with a place where I'm always not making enough money to push me to a place where I never feel like I've got enough. And those two negative factors are always driving me to push me forward, to activate me, to, to go to my goal. Or I've got to have something positive that I'm like living for, want to mm-hmm. do, want to accomplish in the earth. And that is the thing now that probably pulls, pulls and pu- pulls me more than anything else yes, yeah. is the thing I want to accomplish in the earth with the money that I make. Mm-hmm. And so, it, so even if the money doesn't come, you're still motivated by doing what you love, doing what you're good at, doing what the world needs in that moment of brilliance. And we have to believe, I believe, Lou, that when we're in that sweet spot or that moment of brilliance, and pray, prayerfully it's a season or a lifetime of brilliance, not just a single moment, <laughs> but that we will earn a good wage to do that. That's right. That's important. Mm-hmm. A living, That's a living wage important. and, like and abundance. I mean, you can't. I, I love. I, I, you know, I love talking and encouraging people. But when I go to the store, like um, that doesn't cash. Like my son, you know, my <laughs> sons are in swimming. They're in. They want to run track. They they got all these other things they've got going. And, you know, hooked on phonics costs lessons, costs money. <laughs> but when I go and I, like, try to encourage somebody and tell them, like, a great motivational story, like, mm-hmm. I called the hooked on phonics lady and I was encouraging her and telling great things. Mm-hmm. She was still at the end of that conversation, like, I need $350. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
that doesn't cash. Yes, yes. So yes, we, we have to trust that when we're in that sweet spot, that we when you're providing what the world needs, they're willing to pay for it. So I think that's kind of the key there. Uh, well, let's talk more about your Heroes of Success podcast. Um, the idea came from you wanting to learn how to become more successful in your own life, um, financially, of course, in your Christian faith as an entrepreneur, as a mother, wife, um, human being. And so, as you mentioned, you started studying other successful people. You also studied, studied characters in the Bible who followed mm -hmm. God to obtain great success, and women and mothers in particular who were success, because that's the category you fall in. Uh, you learned many laws that were in place that allowed these heroes to live full lives um, of, with love and success and happiness despite their challenges. And you say they've left a path and a legacy for others to follow to find love, success, and happiness on the journey of life. So let's talk about what some of those uh, principles are and um, uh, the, the success principles and where you have some examples of folks we may have heard of and maybe even some we haven't heard of. Uh, why don't you share those with us? Um, so let's talk first. One of the things you mentioned in your podcast and on your on your blog was about um, a mastermind group. And that, that's where I wanted to start because that's something I've always heard about but I've, ne I've never understood what that is. What's a mastermind group? And you, you say that mastermind principle is, is, um, is, is an important principle for success. So initially, um, a lot of these, uh, the, when I first started this, I read the book, um, How to Raise Your Salary, mm -hmm. uh, by Napoleon Hill. Um, and through this, Napoleon Hill um, makes a claim that he spoke with Andrew Carnegie and that Carnegie gave this recipe, this philosophy about success. Um, and so I, I started this, all, when I read this book, I said, well, if it was true then, then it must be true now. So if it's true, then I've got to find these same principles in the people who have been successful today. Mm -hmm. And so it started off, this is initially how this all started off, was I wanted to find out, research people, and find out if Napoleon Hill was right, that these were really, this was really laws or principles that anybody could be successful at doing. Mm -hmm. And if so, I would have to find them in all of these people. They couldn't lack some of them and not do, you know, have some, one or two, and not have the others. Mm -hmm. They had to exemplify all of these to be successful um, in, in most regard. Or he had to be able to explain a way that they, why they didn't have uh, these particular principles. So that's how it, initially this, this list started. And since then, I've started putting in my own characters, um, my own principles that I thought that I saw in these particular in particular people that I was seeing over and over again that wasn't covered in his particular book. Mm -hmm. So talk about that mastermind principle. So the mastermind principle is this principle that you um, hook up. There's two parts of it. One is the aspect that you hook up with the infinite intelligence, God, um, and you hook up with him and you receive pretty much a download. You commune with him back and forth and work on your business. And that so you are getting detailed information of what you think God is saying, and you're able to follow it. And that is, and I mean, that is the ultimate mastermind. Because mm -hmm. we, we who are believers have the mind of Christ, and so we can seek Him for uh, strategies and insights around our business. Absolutely. 
The second part of this principle goes into effect where you meet with other people, um, and it came from this philosophy, this uh, actually came from the scripture where two or more mm-hmm. meet together that Jesus was in the midst of them, right, that you were in the midst of this mastermind, and that's where he pulls this from. And that he says that uh, the philosophy goes that you are meeting with other people and you're meeting with the same goal, that there can be no confusion, no disagreement amongst the group. And this group can be anywhere from two or more people, but you need at least two people in order to form the mastermind. And that the mind that is formed in collective with everyone is much bigger and grander and able to get more things done than if you were to have to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where this principle comes from. And you can see this, uh, for example, like my one of my, I think like the one for me that is the biggest, is Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey is an amazing human being, right? She, and she is this great talk show host. So she came from, she came from the East Coast, and she was doing all right. She's doing pretty good. She's making about $28,000 a year. No, I think she's making twenty four. She's making about $24,000 a year. She had her own talk show there. And then she moved. They, uh, there was this show in Chicago that, that was going on at the time, and they wanted to pull her and have her become um, the, sh- the host for that show. So they brought her in, and they were like, and she was so happy because now she was about to make more money than she had ever made before. She was going to make $28,000 <laughs> a year, right? She was excited, and she was happy. And see, one thing that happened that is her, she got on the show, and and the show took off. The show was like a hit. And in four months, I think they like tripled ratings or something. It was insane. Right? So they renegotiated her contract and they want and she like thought she was gonna get more money like out of this deal. She now all she was looking for was just some more money. Just a little bit more mm-hmm. money. Right? But they didn't give her the more money. Uh they gave her the twenty eight thousand dollars that they, they had already said that they was gonna give her. And her agent was like, they they did the best that they could. So she had heard about this lawyer that was a shark. She ended up meeting with him. And while she she and he were sitting down in a meeting, he said this. He said, why don't you own your own show, your own company, instead of being hired talent? Mm. Right? She instantly, so from that moment, she was making $28,000, right? In three years, she was making $350 million. Mm, Wow. All from one conversation, Mm -hmm. all from one beginning. She ended up doing her own show. From that moment, the very next year, she ended up negotiating a contract so that she could get the rights from her show. Mm. And she changed the name to the Oprah Winfrey Show. She ended up using the show because at the time, they couldn't... Uh, local networks couldn't syndicate shows. She ended up taking that show and syndicating it and sending it all over nationwide and became, the rest is history, like $350 million, and now she is doing her own network. Pretty amazing. Her own own network. (laughs) Play on words. I'm I'm speaking with LaWanda Lou Houston, who's the founder and host of the podcast Heroes of Success. And we're looking at some success principles. Uh, This first one being this mastermind principle. Um, Pretty inspiring story. And we want to make sure that we don't hear a story like that and say, well, that's Oprah Winfrey. That's just this one person got lucky. Really what you're talking about, Lou, are some principles that are observable 
uh, that are identifiable that we can all follow and have similar uh, kinds of success in our own little um, you know, zone of, of brilliance. Uh, one that, that's been uh, on my heart since last year, uh, Lou, and, and I know it's one of your principles, I want to hear your thoughts about it, is the word focus. That's something that keeps coming up for me last year and now this year, is focus. Um, to mean to concentrate on one thing at a time or put my energy and effort in one thing, focus on one thing. What can you say about that as a success principle, focus or concentration? I think it's like paramount. Like it has to be, uh, it's a key. It's one of the keys, absolute keys to success. Focusing down instead of doing everything, um, expanding your energy and your resources across everything, you begin to, you know, shorten that list down to where you are thinking about, talking about, uh, achieving one thing. Like, uh, for example, Elon Musk, um, when he started out, he was his thought was only on how can I get uh, his first and when he first started his co the first company he did which was ah uh, gosh let me think real quick oh solar cell solar car okay right so this company the first one when he first started was solar cars he all he wanted to do was to improve he was trying to improve the sales. Um, he had all a, a lot of different ideas of what he could do. Alamas is an incredibly smart individual. He can do just about anything. Um, dream it and then come up with a plan to fix it, you know, find it. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he also has to focus on achieving one thing, and he did that by bringing Tesla to to fruition. Mm -hmm. The other part is like even like athletes, you have to focus like on one sport. Michael Jordan was good at base at baseball, basketball and football. Um, he was probably the best at baseball and he had the greatest chance to become the greatest baseball player. Mm -hmm. But he decided that he was going to put all of his energy into basketball um, from the, his sophomore year on on. Um, and you can say, like, the same is true, like, if you look at Brandon Burchard. Like, he started on talking about, like, uh, goals, basically. Um, if you look at, let's see, who else? Um, and the reason is because you're – and the reason that focus is so important is because all of a sudden you're taking – you're thinking – I think I said it before, it's like you're thinking about it in the morning, you're mm -hmm. thinking about it at noon, you're thinking about it at night, and until a goal is accomplished um, – you're thinking about it. How do I accomplish this goal, this yes. one thing? This one thing, I think there's a scripture that says this one thing that I do. Mm -hmm. And in that scripture, it talks about worshiping the Lord day and night. Mm -hmm. But you can see the intensity that happens when you focus right. upon one thing and you apply all your resources, like all your relationships. Yes. For example, I and, set a goal. Let me, let me interrupt you there, Luanda. Oh, um, it's almost like it creates a vortex that's pulling everything uh, into this one um, uh, activity and that makes it more likely that it can happen. I'm speaking with Luanda Houston about principles of success. We're going to take a break, and when we return, you'll hear more from Luanda. Stay with us. We'll be back. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well 
well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com retreat. Welcome back to the program. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I've been speaking with Lawanda Houston, Lou Houston, host and founder of the podcast Heroes of Success. And if you'd like to connect with her or share this interview with a friend, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And you can pick up a copy of the 10th anniversary edition of my book, Do Something Different for a Change, or Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, uh, by going to drpegradio.com. Lou, thanks so much for being my guest today. My pleasure. Well, and I think my book, Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, maybe you could say my dog Dallas was a hero of success. <laughs> I learned <laughs> a lot about being a success in God's eyes from uh, just observing my dog. And uh, it's really the same thing that you're talking about. We can learn so much from looking at other successful people. And you've made that endeavor a little bit easier by identifying success principles. And again, listeners, you can learn more about those success principles on Lawanda Houston's podcast, Heroes of Success. And again, go to drpegradio.com for a link uh, to, to listen. Uh, so we're talking about um, concentration or focus and how that's really just pulling all of our energy um, into, into this one endeavor. Um, one, another one of your principles of success is to master what you're doing, to have specialized knowledge and to continuously develop. And it sounds like that really um, dovetails nicely with focus. Once you pick that one thing that you're really focusing on and keeping it yep. at top of mind, you really have to get really good at all the skills that will be required to execute that and then not just rest on your laurels but continuously develop. So say, say more about that. I think you said it in a <laughs> nutshell. I think that's... <laughs> See, I've been studying your I... podcast. I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I completely agree. Like, uh, there's got to be one area, there because I think, and I think that area that you choose has got to be something you're incredibly passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, because it's only when you're really passionate about a particular product or service that you want to learn as much as you can about it. And so that drawing into it, because he, here's the thing: like, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want to do this and be mediocre, um, or do you want to do this and be one of the best? And every time I do something, I've got to be, i got to tell you, I don't want to be just one of the best. Mm. I want to be the best. I want to beat everybody. I'm so competitive. <laughs> it's insane. But I want to beat everybody. And so 
And then not only do I need to be everybody, but I need to know that I've become the very best that I absolutely could be. Like I need to know that when I'm finished, that I put everything on the table, that I'm completely and utterly exhausted. I need to know I, I gave it my complete all. And until you do that for the best product and the best service, then you can, you can never say that you provided the best. Mm. You never gave it your best. You don't know what you could have been because you, did, you left too much left on the table. There was too much left that you didn't do. But when you do all of that, then at the end of the day, when, as far as I'm concerned, when I go to the pearly gates and he says, well, good, thou, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because I, gave, I served with the very best ability that I could, only then to me, should he be able to say that to me? I'm mm. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need you to say it because I know I did it. No matter what else happens, I know I did it. That's good. And, and really, it doesn't matter how it turns out when you've done your very best, that you've worked hard at it, you've focused at it, you've continuously developed, and you've put it all out there. And let the rest take care of itself. That's it. Yeah. Excellent. Now, you talk about creating the best product or service in your industry and doing mm-hmm. more than you're actually paid for. And you use Martha Stewart as, a, as an example. And lover or hater, <laughs> Martha Stewart <laughs> was a success and is still a success. She's overcome hardship and, you know, a setback going to prison. Um, and, and yet she's still an icon. Talk about... Uh, creating the best product, doing more than you're paid for, doing it with excellence. So I think especially in, in this particular era that we are in today, that there are so many choices, that the only way to stand out is to go above and beyond what people expect you to do. And that stands you, that takes you beyond what everyone else is doing. So it makes you stand out and it makes you become like the, the standard, the new standard. You know, the problem is it being very careful because once you put it out there, mm-hmm. it's like people expect you to deliver that service all the time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's a good thing because the other part is that you're always becoming better, right? So if you're always delivering better product than anybody else, in addition to that, so for, say, for example, I, I offer a course. I'm going to offer the course, but then I'm gonna, on top of the course, I may offer free uh, counseling or consulting work. On top of that, I mean, I tell you about it, but I know that when I, I offer the course that I'm going to give you that, that I know that when you ask me a question, that I'm not just going to say, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm like, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but let me figure it out and go back and figure out the answer and then come back with not only the answer and the solution, but the means how, how they can implement it in their own program, right? You're going the extra mile. I think Chick-fil-A has a philosophy on this. Mm-hmm. For example, when you go into Chick-fil-A and you get your meal, they say, um, how may I serve you? You don't just go in there and you get some chicken on a plate, right, and, and, or in a <laughs> box, and they just hand it to you, and they're like, they're, you ought to be grateful that, we hand, that we, you're paying for this. No, you go in there, they're all nice, they're smiling, they, they say, how may I serve you? And if you've got kids, they take your tray and take it to your seat. They come over with you and your kids, and they say, do you need anything else? Why? Because at Burger King and McDonald's, they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So if you're a family and you, you like people like helping you. You're pregnant, and you come in with another kid that's like running around insane, and all of a sudden somebody is really kind, and they say, I'm going to take your tray, 
And then even that, while when you finish, I'm going to be watching to make sure that you're all good. I'm going to come over and say, hey, is there anything else I can get you? Hey, can I take some of this away? Is there anything I can help you with while you guys are here? You know? And uh, and then on top of that, they go in the back and they get this big old cowl and they come out and they, like, entertain your kid while you're trying to get, you know, <laughs> just a five-minute break. <laughs> so it's going, going, going that extra mile. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, all other things being equal, which one are you going to choose? The one that went That's the right. extra mile. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Now, how how can we develop these principles? Um, just as you studied other successful people, um, that's a principle in itself is looking for models, looking for role models, getting a mentor. Uh, how important is mentoring for the folks that you studied uh, in terms of um, that being a, a success principle? So mentoring has been incredibly important, and mentoring can come in different, a lot of different ways. For example, mentoring can come with you um, studying somebody's, like for Oprah Winfrey, like she knew Donahue, but the mm. other part about Oprah Winfrey is that she reviewed every one of his shows. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, so in reviewing every one of his shows, she was learning how to make better questions. She was learning how to handle different types of guests. She was learning how to maneuver her show, um, to get her audience to follow along with her. She was learning all of those different things. And all of that is the different is you can use that also as it is. so if you can't get to your you know the superstar mentor that you want right you can't get to the CEO of Pepsi or you can't get to Elon Musk or you can't get to uh, what's her name Ty Lee who is the largest woman um, has the largest com- female company in the United States she's like worth 2.5 billion dollars mm-hmm. but it's a company you never heard of but. Um, and you can't meet these people in person, but you can read all about them. Mm-hmm. You can learn, read their books. If they publish books, you read their books. Um, and you want to find, the other part is you want to find somebody who is like five steps ahead of you. Like sometimes it's great. It's, it's awesome to have, to think about for me, like a Tony Robbins or a Brandon Bashaw or a Lisa Nichols, um, those guys who are great in the industry, who are doing extremely well. But I've also got people, know people who are just five steps ahead of me, mm-hmm. who just, like, maybe they've been running a podcast for, like, three or four years. I've been running one for two years. So maybe they're at five years. And maybe I find someone who's been doing it for 10 years. And there's also paid and unpaid mentors. And I think, like, that is becoming very common um, as well. So there's all different types of ways to connect with people. And I think, like, the one way that you, people can do it that they don't think about so often is, like, when you go to a mentor, like you want somebody to mentor you, maybe you don't go and ask them like, um, hey, can you help me? But mm-hmm. how about, hey, how can I help you? And that may, puts people in a different place where people may be more willing to help mm-hmm. help you out later on. Yeah. You know, it's certainly easier to help a friend than it is a stranger. Very good, very good. Um, I, I met a man who gave a talk recently who said, um, you know, if you want to connect with me and help and ask me for help and um, to mentor you or help you with networking, don't invite me for coffee. I can make my own coffee. <laughs> Tell me specifically what it is that you're looking for and specifically how you think I can help. And if I can, I will. And if I can't, I'll tell you I can't. But don't don't offer it on the pretext of let me buy you a cup of coffee. So he's really serious about networking and connecting people and says we don't have to beat around the bush. We can. I, I wonder if we can even 
cold to call someone and say, hey, I'm an admirer of yours. Here's what I know about you. Um, you know, yeah, how may I help you? But this is, these are the questions I have. Uh, do you have time to be able to help me with these? What do you think about taking just that very straightforward approach with folks? I think it depends on the industry. For example, when I was in law, like that would have been the ex absolutely the approach that I would have taken. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because people don't want to waste their time. Mm -hmm. Like people are like people who get paid like three hundred dollars an hour don't want to be, <laughs> you know, spending like time with you twirling trying to figure out what it is you actually do want. Right. And they and they appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it depends on what industry you're in. If you're you know a doctor, or lawyer, you know something like that, I think like those industries are more apt to do it. If you want to become like a thought leader, um, like in the industry I'm going into now, I think like the other approach is the one that I'm taking. One, because those guys are in general getting paid for the stuff that they're, they want to tell, that I want to learn about. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like, the, and that also may be the very key, right? It's one thing to help people to, to help you to learn how to become what I am when I'm not being paid to teach people to do what I am doing. Right, right, right. That's um, a good distinction. So, like, when you're, like, doctors have, you know, our tenor, they also have a motive for wanting, they want to bring in better doctors. So, you know, helping people up the ladder is something they absolutely are encouraged to do, one, by most, you know, hospitals and clinics and stuff like that. But it also... Um, in general, they want to make the practice as best as they can they can do, and they're not in the business of developing you know per se mm -hmm. they're not directly in the business of of uh, training doctors. But yeah. if you go to someone who is teaching an expert's leadership thought leadership class and you're like, "Hey, can you tell me how to become a thought leader in this industry and make a million dollars?" they're like yeah, I can. I got this course for right. uh, $1,000. <laughs> exactly. That's how they're making their millions, right? <laughs> selling selling their expertise. Excellent. Well, one of your principles of success, and, and listeners, I'm speaking with Lawanda Lou Houston, founder of and host of the Heroes of Success podcast at heroesofsuccess.com. Uh, you can join our conversation by calling 303-477-2473. Uh, but one of your principles is seeking inspiration, which um, we're talking about mentoring and people you look up to and you can study them. But what other forms of inspiration are you referring to? As, and as well, I know that you um, emphasize uh, some of the biblical principles and biblical characters. Uh, so what can you tell us about inspiration, uh, prayer, meditation, scripture, all of those things in, that we would uh, put under that kind of spiritual realm? So I think so I think the, the main thing for me is that you are a whole person, like you're not just um, your work. And, and even if you do have this huge, amazing, big goal, this big dream that you want to do, um, you're going to need your body and you're going to need your spirit to go mm -hmm. there. And unless the two of them are also fed, they won't carry you very far. And so one way to renew yourself, um, I knew renew myself, um, quite honestly, and a lot of other people I know, like some of, some of these people, especially if you want to think about like Oprah Winfrey, some of these other people, but also my ultimate hero is Jesus. And so um, he prayed, meditated, fast, memorized scriptures, uh, taught about loving God and loving others. Um, but those things feed your soul, feed your spirit, and it keeps your spirit um, in great shape, in great wealth, in great health. Um, and you need that because 
doing no matter what you decide to do, whatever that big goal, that big dream is, you can get burned out in doing it. If your motivation somehow goes away and at the core, and when you're making decisions, irrespective of what those decisions are, because those decisions have a tendency to affect other people, you can find a realm, a place where you're pulling from to make those decisions. And you need all of that in order to, to make the best decisions. Um, the best people in every business, in every industry that I've seen, when people fall, it's because of their moral health, their spiritual health has fallen mm. somewhere down the line. And they neglected it, and they didn't pull from the right place when they were making decisions. If you treat people the way you want to be treated, if you are always in connection and your thoughts are always good and your thoughts are positive and you're continuously keeping yourself balanced mentally, physically, and spiritually, uh, continually to gut the bad stuff out of your life, negative thoughts, negative energy, negative people, whatever that is, getting rid of hatred and, and bigotry and all those different types of things that pull you down and drive you to bad places, when you get to the top, you won't have so many people pulling you down. Mm. You know, and I think that to me is important. In addition to that, you'll have a conscience still. You still feel about good about the person you are. You still wake up in the mirror and look at yourself and say, and still be proud of the person you became, instead of being callous and not being able to even feel anymore, mm. because you've done so much bad and you washed your hands so many times that now you're, you're callous and you can't even feel, and you don't even know that people, when you don't have compassion anymore. I don't want to grow to be that person. I don't want to be rich and be that person. Right, right. That That's so important, just that balance of, um, you talked earlier about, you know, what's pushing you be, beside, uh, um, rather than what's pulling you. And so we can be driven um, by so many negative things, but what's pulling us in a positive direction probably is going to result in that wholeness that you're talking about and not having hardened your heart and still, as you're saying, having a conscience and wanting to do good and feeling a good, good about who you are. So really finding that motivation that's going to pull you in that positive direction. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, Luanda, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate uh, your principles of success and um, your heroes of success that you've shared with us today. Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, uh, so many others, Martha Stewart. And again, love them or hate them. Uh, we all have our opinions about people and personalities. Uh, but what, what really is the lesson here is that there are all these success principles that you say we can study. They're, they are there to be learned and followed so that we can have the success that we desire in our lives. Thank you so much for being my guest today and Thank for sharing you. all of your research with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And wishing you the best of success. Uh, my guest has been Lou Houston, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.